Welcome to the Living Faith Missionary Church Podcast. You're about to listen to a message from Pastor Chris Starn, Senior Pastor at Living Faith in Yoder, Indiana. It is our prayer that this message is an encouragement and a blessing to your life. Good morning. Whew, I'm sweating already. All that dancing around. It's awesome. I want to, you know, this is Memorial Day weekend, so what I want to do first before we, uh, before I get into my message, um, which I'm very excited about today, um, I've had numerous people talk about how passionate I was last week. Well, look out, here it comes again. Um, I want to take a moment of silence, because I want to remember those people who have, who have paid the ultimate price. So as we, as we have this time of silence, just think about those, pray for those that have had the paid the ultimate price for our freedom, but I also what I also want to do is I also want to remember those who have paid a price that has been great and yet they're still here with us, but they've lost a limb, they've they've lost their legs or their arm, eyes, parts that you know we take for granted, but also those in our, our armed forces who have who have paid a, a an emotional and a a mental price because of PTSD, and because of what they've had to experience so that you and I can be here today worshiping in freedom. Don't ever take our freedoms for granted, because when we do, we begin to lose them. If you don't believe me, look at the last year. So let's just take a moment of silence to remember those that have paid an ultimate price. Father, we pray for those who have who've done so much for us. And we pray for those that are still suffering with the result of what they've had to do. I pray that you would encourage them and that you would help them to overcome the anguish, the trials that they are going through. We have not forgotten. Pray, Lord, that we never forget how precious the freedoms that you gave us, because they'd come from you, how precious they are to us. We pray this in your name. Amen. You know, we're, we're engaged in a spiritual battle. As believers in Jesus Christ, every, every day, and our followers, we are, we are fighting a war. When we place our faith in Jesus Christ, when we believe in him for our salvation, what happens is our hearts become a battlefield. And each of us has to come to a a place in our lives where we've got to decide, are we going to side with victory or defeat? Are we going to win or are we going to lose? And And I know whether we like it or not, we're in a battle. We're in this battle. We didn't choose it. It chose us. As I said last week, you know, we are sinners from birth. Well, we're also in this battle from birth. And at times, I know, it can seem overwhelming 
There's a story um, from the Korean War of, of it was uh, it was Charlie Company. Charlie Company is this, or Baker, I'm sorry, Baker Company. Baker Company, it was a, it was a platoon that was out on patrol. And as they're out on patrol, they got separated from the company, from the full company. And so they, they were they were trying they're, they're trying to find their regiment. So they're 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 walking around, and the radio the radio operators calling saying you know Baker Company come in Baker Company come in, and, and nothing's happening. All of a sudden they hear this very slight this very small signal that comes through, and this is says this is Baker Company. Do you read me? And the reply I heard was, well, this is Baker Company. What is your situation? And the operator says, well, we have the enemy to the north of us. We have the enemy to the south of us. We have the enemy to the east of us. And we have the enemy to the west of us. And the sergeant who was sitting next to the radio operator says, and we're not going to let the enemy get away this time. But don't we feel that way? Don't we feel completely surrounded by evil in the world today? See, Satan's agenda is that we're going to fail. He seems to be having his heyday right now. It seems that evil is winning, but we have to remember that no matter how many battles and skirmishes we seem to lose in our life, the war has been won by Jesus Christ. He won. Satan wants us to fail. In Revelation 12, it says he knows that his time is short. He knows he's going to fail. He knows he's not going to win. And in his pride and arrogance, he says, I'll take as many of those stupid humans with me as I can. That's what he is doing. And what does he use? I talked about that last week. He uses temptation, and then he uses our own weaknesses of our human nature to entice us to sin. Thinking, if they sin, I got them. Because if they sin, they're discouraged. And they won't fight anymore. Not knowing that we sin all the time and it doesn't, it doesn't keep us from Christ because he paid the price. But we do have to do some things when we do sin. It's not like we can sin and just keep on going. As Paul says, you know, you don't sin more so, so that grace would increase. No, you stop sinning. Christ is returning soon. And this is our incentive to live godly lives. We must live godly lives because Jesus is coming back. He has never broken, God has never broken a promise. And that's a promise he made. I'm coming back. But see, Satan's incentive is to attack our faith an attempt to make us stumble, to discourage us. And I can be honest with you, he does a really good job at it. So we need to suit up. We, we need to get ready for the war and the battle that's ahead of us with Satan. We have to put on the full armor of God. We can't pick and choose. You know, you know I, don't want the, I don't want the helmet to mess my hair up, you know. Man, that breastplate, oh, that... That breastplate of righteousness is just so heavy. I don't, I don't, uh, the belt doesn't, just doesn't, I don't quite like the fit of the belt of truth. And there I just gave it away. I was going to ask you what the two were that we did, but that's okay. We talked about the belt of truth last week. 
how the belt of truth wasn't just this, you know, it wasn't like this leather belt that holds my pants up. It was a belt that had places to put things. And the, 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 the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, hangs on it. And it's connected with loops to the breastplate of righteousness that protects my vital organs. Because Satan wants to get your heart. He wants to get at it. He knows that that's at the core who we are. It must be securely connected to the truth, the, the, the belt of truth. And if we're going to survive the battle ahead, then truth has to be our foundation. And God's word is true. Why, why do you think everybody always attacks the Bible? If, if God's word was just nothing, then why would they attack the Bible? They attack the Bible because they know it's the truth. And if they can defeat it, and if we can't defend it, they think they have us. But God's word is truth. Also, this breastplate is, you know, the breastplate of righteousness. We must understand that, and I talked about this last week, it's not my righteousness. I am not good enough. My righteousness would not even cover my chest. It would not protect me. So whose righteousness righteousness is it? It's Jesus Christ's righteousness, not mine. I'm becoming more like Christ, but I need his righteousness that he paid for on the cross in order to protect my vital organs. And while these two pieces are awesome, I mean, I wish I had, and I actually know someone who has a full armor suit. I could have got one. I should have thought about it. But if if I had that, you know, I could put the belt on, I put, and I'd be, you know, yeah, I'm good. No, I'm not. As I told the kids, you can't, I couldn't go onto the baseball field without the shin guards on or without the helmet on or without my mitt, which was bigger than a normal mitt, more padding, because those balls are coming at me. At, even in Little League, they were coming at me at least at 60 miles an hour. Armor must be complete. So we talked about the belt of truth last last week. We talked about the breastplate of righteousness, two very important pieces of armor, but it's not enough. So today I want to go and look at the next two pieces of armor. And then obviously, well, next week, the following week, next week we'll look at the last two pieces of armor. So the first thing we go, we got to go to Ephesians 6.15. This is where we, we get the next piece of armor. And it's not, it's interesting, it's not really a piece of armor per se, but it's a very important part of the, the, what we need in order to fight this battle. And it's called the gospel of peace. And this is what Paul writes in Ephesians 6.15. He says, and, because he also talked about the breastplate and he talked about the belt, he says, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Shoes. Who would thought that shoes were so important until you're out on a 20-mile march in full battle gear? Then you'll know that your boots are extremely important, right? You know, we, we, we think today most wars are me- mechanized, right? We have tanks, airplanes, artillery. You know, up until our modern times, probably the most single, most important part of warfare was the march, because the march would get the men, the, the men from one point to the next point to get ready for battle. 
And while the ancient times they did use chariots, yes, they had elephants and, and ships and other ways of mobilizing and moving around, an effective army was only known by its ability to move by foot. That was the great thing about the Roman army because they had built all these Roman roads. You can go to, I watched a program the other night, if you have uh, um, Amazon, please watch this. And it's about, um, it's a professor that I know, he's from Huntington University, who goes, he goes to Turkey every year and he's on the Roman roads. And look at these roads, they're still there. Rome was known for its roads because they had to get the military from point A to point B. And because of that, then also the trade routes happened. But the getting the army, moving the army, mobilizing the army was so effective. They were known by their ability to move on foot. In fact, that's why soldiers are called what? Foot soldiers. That's why they're called that. Because they had to walk on their feet. Very important. So if they have inadequate foot protection it would hamper the army's ability to complete its mission. They couldn't get from point A to point B because their feet, they couldn't make it. I mean, I don't know about you, but man, a day of me walking around, just doing this right here this morning, this afternoon my feet are going to hurt just from standing and moving around. I don't sit stand still because of my back, but my feet will hurt. Could you imagine marching for a full day across, you look at these roads and you're like, those aren't paved. No, they're paved with stone. They're not asphalt or concrete. And I mean up into the mountains, uphill, downhill. Amazing. Check it out, though. Please do this. His name is um, Mark Fairchild is the name of the professor. So what Paul is saying when he says that our feet need to be clothed with the gospel of peace, he's saying that we need to be mobile, and we need to be ready for war. And that readiness comes from what? It comes from the gospel. The gospel is what makes us ready. And this idea comes from ancient imagery, ancient history. If we read in Romans 10, 15, Paul talks about the necessity of preaching the gospel. He says, and how can they preach unless they're sent? This is why we are a missionary church. We send people. And I don't just mean we send people overseas. We sent the the we sent Josh and Kelly to three trees. We were part of that. We funded it. We helped them. We gave them things. We sent them. I spent, I spent at least uh, I spent about a week there while doing prayer walks in a, a couple different times. We, we, we go and we, we send people. So how can they preach unless they're sent? And then what he does, he goes and he quotes Isaiah. Isaiah 52, 7. He says, how... Beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And I'm like, man, I don't know. I've seen some feet, and they're not exactly beautiful. You see my feet after a day of, of, of walking around the yard, it, it, there's no beauty about it. But it's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about the way they physically look. Because we actually have to understand it from an ancient perspective. Remember I told you, we, we need to make sure we're reading Scripture from, from ancient perspectives. Not my worldview, not the 21st century Midwest American worldview. We can't project our worldview onto Scripture. We have to go back and think, well, what did the original readers think about this? And that's what Paul's doing and what Isaiah was doing with this. See, in the ancient world, the armies would go off to battle. And, and battle was usually 
it's placed far away from the city where they were, they were, most of the people were. And people back home would be wondering, what's going on? How's the battle going? Because when the, it wasn't just that they didn't have a standing army usually. It's usually every male above a certain age was part of the military. And when there was a battle was called by the king, every, all the men went. All the older men and men who could still fight would go. It wasn't a volunteer army. It was, you're going. You have no choice. And the outcome of that battle would have a huge effect on the city and the town because if the, if the army was defeated, what would happen to the town? It would get ransacked, raped, and pillaged. People would go into slavery. You'd lose everything. So what was going on on the battlefield was extremely important. They couldn't Google it. You know, there was no Facebook where, you know, I go to a Facebook page that updates what's going on at the Battle of Shamar or wherever it is. You know, it didn't happen. So what they would do in some places, they would actually, what they do is they would send a message from the battlefield. Now, your job as the runner is to run from the battlefield as quickly as you can because the battle's still going on and it may end before you get, get to the place you're going. You need to make sure you're carrying this good news or bad news, as the case may be. So you would take off running and you would run towards the town. Now, in some places, it was customary that if you brought bad news, they'd kill you. They were so angry at what the news was, they'd actually kill you. I thought, I thought this morning, I'm like, hmm... I wonder if we uh, reinstitute that for places like CNN and <laughs> some of the other guys. You know, you bring you bring fake news, you're done. But they would carry the news, and if the news was good, now think about that. You have you have the news that the battle's going well. So what do you do? You run, and you're kicking up dust, and you're just moving as fast as you can. You're excited. I'm going to tell them about what's going on. But what happens if it's bad news? Ooh. I think you're going to slow down a little bit, right? Because you know what's going to happen to you. You're going to lose your life. Not so quick to carry a message. So each city would post outlooks. They they would post guys on the on the on the on top of the on top of the city walls to look for the runners. And it actually became a science where they could look at the runner. They could tell who the runner was by how that person was running. You see that in scripture. And then they would know that if that person was kicking up dust and it was oh we got good news coming. How beautiful are the feet that bring good news. See what that means? See what that, how, where we get that from, where they, why they said that? So they're kicking up dust, dust, and how beautiful are his feet. So Paul is saying that there is nothing more beautiful than to see somebody bringing the good news. And guess what good news is? Gospel. How beautiful are the feet that bring the gospel? So Paul is saying, the gospel of peace needs to clothe your feet so you're like that runner that's excited, right? 
the good news of peace that we have through, with God through the work of Jesus Christ. It's, it's good news. And we should be running with such a gate that everybody can see that there's good news. But I'm afraid what happens most of the time is we're just kind of meandering. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I guess I got some good news, but I don't know how I'm going to tell you about it. So we, we don't have that joy. We don't have the joy of our salvation that we had at the beginning because we've let the world hamper us down. And Satan says, ha, I've got them now because if I make them not share the gospel, it can't spread and I can take more of those other people with me. Yeah, you're saved, you're safe, but you won't, you won't be effective to anybody else. So I'll discourage you. James 1-2 tells us, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Not if you meet trials, but what? When you meet trials. You're going to have trials in this life. But many times, we look no different than the rest of the world. All our people in the world are going through trials, and we look the same as them. Do we have joy? No, we don't. We don't. See, as followers of Christ, joy needs to be the normalcy of our lives. I don't care what... Wait a minute. Let me say this. I do care what you're going through. I don't want you to think that. It doesn't matter what you're going through. We should still have joy. We should still have joy. Our joy should not be dependent on our circumstances. And that joy should show in our enthusiasm to share the gospel. So I'm going to be honest with you. If you're, not, if you're not excited to share the gospel, i got to wonder if you still have the joy of salvation. Can you lose that? You certainly can. It's part of Satan's scheme. Paul reminds us in Philippians 4 to rejoice in the Lord when always again i say rejoice why so that the reasonableness of our salvation will be apparent to everyone i'm not i'm not to have joy when things are going bad just so that i feel better it's so that those people out in the world who have experienced the same thing can see that i have something different than they do again it's not about you it's not it's about the mission that Jesus has us on. As redeemed and reconciled believers in Jesus Christ, we should be so full of joy that our lives are overflowing and people see it. If people look at you and they can't tell you're a Christian, there's a problem. There's a big problem. So we have to ask this question. Do we really want joy in our lives? Do you want joy in your life? It's alarming. I see Christians who, people who profess to be Christian, who don't seem to want joy in their hearts, and they're resigned to live this dreary, sad life. Now, I know, man, we complain all the time. I understand that. That's fine. But, man, you've got to find some joy in that. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I don't... I wish I could just lay around all day. I don't enjoy, I, I gotta watch how I say this, because I do enjoy it, but I would much rather not have to work outside in my garden. But you know, I find joy in that. And that joy is worth it to me. 
Well, the same thing should go for my salvation. I need to find joy in the salvation that I have in Jesus Christ that I just love it and i got to share it with other people. Do we want joy in our lives? I think too many times we're in this trap that the enemy has set for us that appeals to this carnal nature. What, we, what I kind of call, what I call the martyrdom syndrome. This trap begins with we start to pity ourselves. Oh, poor me. Because of the situation, I just, oh man, I just, oh, I feel terrible. And then we tell others about it and they're like, oh, poor you. And we're like, hey, I kind of like that. I kind of like that people have sympathy for me. There's nothing wrong with that. There really isn't anything wrong with people having compassion for us. There's nothing wrong with us sharing our troubles with each other. But what it should be is, yeah, I understand, but where's your joy? What are you finding joy in? I understand that you're going through this tough time. You've got cancer. You've got, you know, all these issues going on in your life. But have you found joy? What is that? What's it like to have joy in the midst of trials? That's what we should be talking about. We tell others and it gets us this attention we like and we like people being sympathetic to us and the danger is the more attention we get, the more people sympathize with us. It's a self-fulfilling, evil-eating prophecy. The more pity we have for ourselves because more people are sympathizing with us. I don't tell you I, don't tell you I have a bad, my back hurts because I think I want you to have sympathy for me. I want to say, hey, my back hurts and look, I'm still walking upright. I'm still doing this because that's what God wants me to do and I'm joyful in it. I don't say we. I don't want to say that we ignore our problems like Pollyanna. Those of you who don't know who Pollyanna is, look it up. Everything's just perfect. No, it's not. The world is. Pardon me. The world is crap. But you know what? God is good. Ah, the world is falling apart. But you know what? God is good. That's what our attitude should be. And this does not. And I, Hey, I'm just as guilty as all the rest of you. I do it too. I do it too. I try not to. I'm trying to find joy. It doesn't mean that we don't have not going to have trouble, but there's this biblical peace and joy that trouble cannot quench. It cannot put out. It's a fire that burns in us that, that a fire truck full of trouble can't douse. Can't put it out. And I will, I, will, I will bet my bottom dollar we all had it when we first put our trust in Christ. And then we let life quench it. That's why as James goes on, he said, you know, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness fastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete lacking in nothing if any of you lacks wisdom let him ask god who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him see the joy that we have is the result of the holy spirit working within us every believer we're all indwelled in, in, in with the holy spirit when we place our faith in christ the salvation comes from the indwelling of the holy spirit he the holy spirit guides us he illumines us our mind he illumines our minds and most of all he brings us joy no matter what the situation he allows us to go through trials because guess what 
Those trials bring us closer to God. I've said this before, and I say it again. You know, people will, will misquote Scripture and say, well, you know, God will never give you more than you can handle. That's a lie. Because God will give you more than you can handle by yourself, but he'll never give you more than you can handle that you, that you can handle with him. You trust him, there'll be a lot you can go through. You do it on your own, you're not going to be able to handle nearly as much. But if you trust Christ and you find joy within your trials, there's a lot you're going to be able to deal with. And only the gospel of peace can bring this kind of joy. See, if, if, you've, if you've struggled with joy in your life, if you've lost that joy or trials seem to keep you from having the joy, we need to, you need to pray what, what uh, David prayed in Psalm 51. He says, restore to me the joy of your salvation because salvation is a gift from God. It's not mine, it's his. He gives to me. But restore to me the joy of your salvation, salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. We need the gospel of peace clothing our feet so that our feet bring, bring good news and they're beautiful. We need to trust and have the joy of our salvation that overflows so the world can see it. That's the armor that Paul wants us to wear. The next one is the shield of faith. Ephesians 6.16. He says, in all circumstances... Take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. I love that in all circumstances. Well, I don't, you know, I, I really, you know, we, we get up in the morning and we, we, like this morning I got up and it was pretty chilly. I'm like, yeah, I'm not wearing a jacket today. I don't need a jacket. You know, do we do that with a shield of faith? Do we get up in the morning and say, no, nah, I don't need my shield today. I'll be good. No. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. See, the Roman shield at the time was called a, a scutum. And, and this was the type of shield. It was as large as a door. These were big shields. And, and it would cover the warrior entirely. So you would have it here, and you would be completely covered behind it. And the shield was not exactly only for defense. You could also be used to push the opponent. So, Because this was close combat. You could push them with the, with the shield and push them back. And when they would fight as a group, as a phallus, they'd come in and, and they would actually, um, actually put them all around them. And guess, it was called, when they do that, it was called testudo, which means tortoise. It's kind of interesting. So they would be able to cover themselves both front and back and top all the way around. And it was extremely helpful when they were going against the city walls because guess who was up on the city wall? All the archers. And they'd be shooting down at it. But you had this shield over you and in front of you. And guess what? A lot of times what they had? The arrows. What was on the arrows? Fire. Yeah, fire. Because the shields were a lot of times made with wood covered with bronze or covered with something. Usually they would cover them with skins and they'd wet them. So when a, when a fiery arrow was sent to them, it would extinguish it. Nothing, no problem. 
They would extinguish the flaming arrows or the flaming darts. So how important to you is faith? Like I said, you know, we get up in the morning and we may not take our jacket with us because we think it's going to be warm enough. It may be cold this morning, but I'll suffer a little bit. No big deal. But how important is the shield of faith? How important is your faith? In Habakkuk 2, we see the comparison between the wicked and the righteous. And what God says about the difference between the two is that the righteous will live by faith. Huh. But what is faith? You know, many of us have grown up as we, as we were young kids. I'm glad the, all the kids aren't in here today um, because I'm going to say a few things here that not bad, but, you know, they may not have been explained to them yet. But we've grown up in the church and Sunday school classes and church services and, we, and children's songs. And, and, and we hear this word faith and we really don't understand the true biblical meaning but Hebrews 11.6 tells us that we can't please God without it. You cannot please God without faith. So you could, do, you could be the most wonderful person in the world and do amazing things for the world. I think that Bill Gates thinks he is the best thing in the world because he does so many good things, what he thinks, with his money. But if he has no faith, God's not happy with him. God's not happy with him. You can be the nicest person in the world. If you don't have faith, God's not happy with you. And when we're young, we're told to believe a lot of things. We're told to believe in Santa Claus. told to believe in the Easter Bunny. And we're told to believe in the Tooth Fairy, just to name a few. And, and sometimes these belief in these childhood characters kind of get rooted in us. And then we start to think, well, we, i got to believe in Jesus. And we start to think about Jesus the same way. But I don't know about you, but I don't know too many people, too many adults who have formed their life around a belief in Santa Claus or a belief in the Tooth Fairy. Belief in Jesus Christ has to change our lives. Biblical faith came with, as a, with a cost. Jesus paid a heavy price, his life, just like those soldiers for memorializing this weekend, just like those soldiers paid for yours and my freedom with their life, and we need to remember that, and we need to, but we need to make our freedom so important to us that God gave us, because of the price paid, Jesus died for you, your faith was paid for by Jesus Christ with his life. It means action. You have to take action with your faith. If you don't, then it is cheap as Bonhoeffer calls it. Cheap faith means nothing if you don't take action. It has to change your life. If it doesn't, then there was no faith. We cannot honor Christ in our lives without it. Romans 1.17 repeats what we saw in Habakkuk. It says, the righteous will live by faith. We're instructed in 2 Corinthians 5.7 to live by faith and not by sight. I don't... I, I, I see things. I see this water. Okay? Now, I know from a scientific matter that that is molecules, H2O, two hydrogen, one oxygen. Now, how do I know that? I have faith because I don't see it. I don't see those little molecules. But I have faith that that's what it is. Hopefully, there's nothing else in there but that. 
See, I, I can't live my life only by what I see. I have to live it by what I don't see. But faith in what? In me? Do I, do I put my faith in myself? Of course not. Because I know me. I know me very well. And I know I can't trust me. I can't trust my heart. Heart is evil. The tongue is this mouthpiece for the heart. Paul tells us in Galatians 2.20, And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, the price was paid. He loved me. He died for me. So I have to live my life in faith in him. Again, but what does that mean? What does that look like? I'll be honest with you. It's more than just a one-time decision. It's more than that. It's a lot more than that. Living by faith applies to the past, the present, and the future. Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You see how the music today, and I believe me, Beth had no idea what I was, what I was preaching. The music fit perfectly. My past life, my present life, and my future life. It means that believing in what Christ did on the cross, what he's doing today, and what he's going to do in the future changes my life. I don't let... So the world is falling apart. Fine. Fall apart. I'll do everything I can to do what's right. I'll do everything I can to let people know the truth. But I can't stop the world from falling apart. It's just going to happen. And you know what? Bring it on. Because the more it falls apart, the more God's plan falls together. I am trusting in the future because of the past and my present. Every day, God works on me. And you know what? I, I, was, I was almost a straight-A student. Almost. I wasn't the best student because I, I find all the tricks to get around everything and I don't work the hardest that I can. That's what I did in school. I was good at it. But I got A's because I could take tests and I could remember things. So, and I forget where I was going with that. So, <laughs> Wow, that's, see, that's what God does to me. I start to go someplace I shouldn't, probably shouldn't go. But see, God was working on me then. I, I, learn, I learn from him each day. I'm not perfect, okay? I don't do everything perfectly. That's okay. His grace is sufficient to cover that. The death and resurrection of Jesus is the foundation of our life of faith. What he did in the past is the foundation. It's the beginning of our journey of trusting the Lord Jesus for everything we need. And the grace of God through faith and the finished work of Jesus is what brings us to eternal life. But it doesn't end there. The death of Jesus saves us from the penalty of sin. But we must continue to have faith in him every day. That's what it was. you got to wake up every day ready to trust Christ. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you I'm alive. Thank you I don't have COVID. Teach me today. Lord, I know I'm going to falter. I'm going to fail. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to sin. That's okay, Lord. I know that your grace is sufficient to cover it. I'll try my best, and I'll repent for my worst. 
We have to have faith in what's going on in the future too. It affects every moment of our lives. It stretches us. It deepens our dependence on God. I can't be good on my own, so what do I do? I got to trust God for more things, right? I got to trust him more and more every day. That's the other thing with my school. I was trusting in myself and how I, what I, how I learned. I, I find I can't do that anymore. I have to trust him, so I, I trust him more and more every day. And guess what? It happens through trials. We're still going to sin. We stumble, we fall, we mess up. But by faith, we can repent and keep going. Oh, I sinned today. Oh, I'm such a terrible person. How are you doing this week? Oh, I just, I'm just a sinner. Yeah, you are. Stop it. Move on. Repent. Repent means turning the other way. Asking God to forgive you. He already has, yes. But you say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I did this. Okay. He's like, good. Don't do it again. Keep going. Trusting that God is changing us. He's molding us to the image of Christ more each day. Sometimes more than other days. Sometimes less. And living by faith means looking forward with assurance and hope that we will one day be free of this. Sin will be gone. Jesus will be returning for his bride. The fact that 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 should bring us so much joy to know that he's coming back. And despite the suffering we encounter in this life, we're reminded that this earth is not our home. We are journeyers. We We are strangers in this land. It's never meant to be our home. It was meant to be Eden. You and I were meant to be in Eden, but we're here. We long for heaven and to live on behalf of Christ. We, we, we have to live on our, our lives every day on his behalf and on the behalf of those who don't know him. People say, well, why hasn't Jesus come back yet? Well, if, if Jesus came back in 1923, you wouldn't be with him. I wouldn't be with him. Anybody born after 1923 would not be with him. That's why. He knows everybody who's going to be born, and he wants everybody. He longs for everybody, but he doesn't force them to be with him. Our faith is what it is, is what it is to come should mark our lives with peace and urgency. Jesus will not tarry forever. We must persevere in the work he's given us. We've been given a job. Go and make disciples of all nations. And what are we doing? We're sleeping in the back room. That's why we need to put on the gospel of peace so we have joy so that we can share the gospel. Our faith in Jesus Christ must permeate every part of our lives. You can't departmentalize it. You're a Christian at all times. You're a small Jesus. That's what Christian means, small Jesus. That's what I say it means. It's a good idea, thinking, I'm, I'm a little Jesus. I'm not Jesus yet. I'm working on it, but I'm, I, I have a responsibility. I represent Christ. I'm his imager. It must permeate all of our lives as our lives deepen and grow. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Satan's going to attack us to cause us to have doubts. He's gonna, but we're, our faith will prompt us to believe in God. And when we give in to temptation, we're saying that the world has something better to offer me than God. So we don't, we fight temptation. We fight it. That's what we're going to talk about next week, fighting temptation. Because God's, and we're going to fight it with his word because God's word is true. And even though at times we can't see it, God still keeps his promises. And when we're tempted to sin or when Satan tries to plague us with doubts and entice us to sin, 
and gives instant gratification, our faith recognizes his tactics and extinguishes the arrows that he shoots at us. Faith chooses to believe Jesus has redeemed us and there's now no more condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. None. Past, present, future sins are done. They're forgiven. We need to repent, say we're sorry when we do sin each day, but they're forgiven. Faith is one of the greatest gifts. Faith, along with hope and love, will always abide. We're justified by faith so we belong to God and have peace with Him. Faith brings us hope in God so our suffering should never phase us. Does that not mean we don't cry? Does not mean we don't cry when we're hurting and cry when something bad happens? No, we cry, we mourn, Jesus mourned. What I am saying is it doesn't stop us. We don't curl up into a ball. Okay? We get moving. And if we don't get moving, God's going to kick us in the backside and get us moving. Not literally, but spiritually. Our faith encourages us to persevere through all of our trials. A soldier could do a lot of things with his shield. He was protected. He was courageous because he had that shield in front of him. The very things that Satan attempts to use to bring us down, to discourage us, in reality, what do they do? They bring us closer to Jesus. Talk about frustrating. Let's frustrate Satan. All the things he tries to discourage us with, discourage us with, open my mouth there. Let's, Let's have it bring us closer to Christ. We have this promise in 1 John 5, 4. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Wow. How important is faith to you? It's of utmost importance. It's the protective barrier between us and the schemes of Satan. We can take God at his word. We are grounded in truth, and the enemy's lies have no power over us, and we are more than overcomers. We are more than conquerors. We are children of God, and faith is our shield. We need faith as our shield to protect us from the arrows of the enemy. But we also need the shoes of the gospel to help us stand firm in the Lord. Two questions today. Are your feet beautiful? Do you bring the good news? Or have you lost the joy of your salvation? Well, it's time to repent. It's time to repent and pray that God would restore to you his joy. And are you living by faith? Is your life driven by the full confidence in what has happened in the past, what Jesus said at the cross and resurrection, what he's doing in your life today, and what he's going to do when he returns? Are you firmly planted? Do you have the confidence in that? If not, then today is the day to repent. Don't leave here today without the protection of the faith and the joy that comes from the gospel. Don't. There's altars up here. You come and pray. Come and pray. Let's pray. Father, we praise you. We praise you for the for the gospel of peace that you've given us, the the shoes that we're able to wear and that our feet can be beautiful in this world as people see the joy of our salvation and knowing that we have Christ. We can share that. 
And, and Father, I, I pray that you, we thank you for the shield of our faith, the faith that is not something that we do on our own, but is a gift from you. Faith, hope, and love will always abide. Faith in what Jesus has done in the past, the present, and the future. Hope that he's coming again. And the love that he has for us. Lord, don't, don't allow us to go out into this world without the full armor of God on. Because if we do, we will fail. But your gospel will never fail. It'll happen. You're going to win in the end. And you want us to be part of it. But we need to wear the armor. Help us, Lord. Forgive us. Forgive us when we lose our salvation. It's, and it's not because of anything you've done. It's because we have taken our eyes off of you. That we lose our joy. And as the man prayed, as, as his, he asked Jesus to heal his daughter, <laughs> I believe, but help me with my faith. Increase our faith. as we are dealing with the trials of this life and the troubles that this world brings us. Remind us that we are not of this world, but we are strangers in a strange land. But our home is heaven. Our home is Eden. And we long to go back there. Help us to keep our eyes firmly planted on you, sharing the gospel of peace with whoever we encounter, using the shield of faith, to extinguish the fiery arrows and darts of the enemy. For your glory and praise. We pray this in your name. Amen. Go in peace. Thank you for joining Living Faith on our YouTube channel. My prayer is that this message today has encouraged you and strengthened your faith in Jesus Christ. We would love to connect with you, so please subscribe to our channel and hit the bell so that you get updated when we add a new message. Also, please leave any comments you might have in the comments section. We would love you to join us live for our service on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. We hope you have a great day today. God bless.